G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. Welcome back to our Plan Your Retirement series. Hope you're getting out and enjoying some of this nice warm weather that we're having, well, certainly in Melbourne. Um, you might be somewhere where it's not warm, but hopefully you're enjoying your week. Last week, we had Sasha Burkhart on the show. We talked about the fundamentals of super, really enjoyed that chat with Sasha. And this week, we got her back and explored the strategies, particularly the strategies within super that we as financial advisors look at for our clients who are, are approaching retirement. Really valuable episode. We touched on the milestone ages of 60 and 65 and what that means in terms of access to your super. We talked about transition to retirement strategies, which can be really valuable uh, for both people wanting to drop hours at work or wanting to boost their super before retirement. We talked about concessional contribution strategies such as the five-year carry forward rule, really powerful, um, fairly recent rule. It's only been around a few years. Uh, we touched on the three-year bring forward rule, um, and that's uh, in relation to non-concessional contributions. We talk about those in detail, and Sasha also talked about recontribution strategies, which can help in a straight in estate planning and helping um, your beneficiaries not pay tax on your death uh, with super. So really good, solid strategies. We explored each of them. Hope you enjoy the chat with Sasha Burkhart. If you haven't done so yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Welcome back, Sasha Burkhart. How are you, Sash? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I'm very good. That's good. Well, it was great doing the session with you last week, and we're back again with a bit more meat this week, uh, a bit of a meaty episode around some of the strategies. Um, Excellent. Super. Looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots you can do with super, and we, a lot of us just don't know about it. So Yeah, cool. Um, well, why don't we, I know we did touch on some of this last week, regarding age milestones and super, but I, because a lot of that's going to have a bearing on some of these strategies, I, I just wouldn't mind going back over that. Sure. Um, the two ages, I guess, you know, we mainly are concerned with as financial advisors is when people turn 60 and when they turn 65. So even if you just could discuss, you know, let's just start with age 60, you know, what happens, what does that open up for for people. Absolutely. So when we reach age 60, uh, we meet a condition of release. I suppose that's how you would call it. And at 65, yep. we also meet a condition of release. So a condition of release generally means when you retire from the workforce or you have a total and permanent disablement um, yep. or you're, um, you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Um, so there's a few ways you can meet that 
um, condition yeah. of release. But the, the main one at age 60 is you now are able to touch some of your super. And at yes. age 65, you can take all of your super if you want. Great. Um, yeah, and at age 60, we're allowed to – well, let's start with, with those two things, I guess. One of the things I will just say is that um, – let's just bust a myth here straight away. Sure. <laughs> with that age 65 one, because I think a lot of people think two things is – uh, they can't get their super until they retire. Yes. So that is true up until age 65, but at age 65, retire or not retire, you get access to your super, don't you? That's right. And age 60, if you decide to retire, you get access to your super as well. Yeah. So we have clients that and if um, you're not retired, obviously work towards at retiring age 60. At, age, at age 60. Yeah. And yeah, uh, if they do that and decide to retire permanently from the workforce, they then get the opportunity to take their super and move it to pension phase if they want to take their super. So I guess the main milestones is the accumulation phase and pension phase. So when we look at the accumulation phase, that's where we're adding to it over the lifetime. And then when we go into pension phase, it's just the investment earnings that earning to our yep. capital balance and that's what we draw our income from in retirement. So whether that starts at age 60 or 65 is irrelevant. It's just that some people today don't want to retire at age 60 or they cannot retire at age 60. So they are kind of in this in-between of, yes, you can access some of your super, maybe not all of your super, but you still have access to it. Um, through a strategy um, called a transition to retirement oh, strategy. A beautiful lead into that. Well yeah, done. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, often forgotten because there was some rule changes with um, the transition to retirement strategies a few years ago. Um, however, they still can help um, many of us top up our super or use some of our super yep. to supplement income if we want to slow down into those retirement years rather than jump straight in. Cool. Well, let's start, let's kick off that with transition to retirement strategy. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> we call it a TTR because we were, Sasha and I were saying before we came on, we've got to try not to use the abbreviations, but it is a TTR. It is, or a TRIS. You know, some call it a TRIS, some <laughs> yeah, call right. it a TTR, so just so we can yeah. confuse things. Yeah. Um, but I think you would agree it's a, a strategy that is a bit of a no-brainer and I think isn't really used widely enough by people. They Obviously, if they're getting financial advice from a professional, it is. Mm -hmm. And then maybe some people have worked out how to do it without that. But there's a lot of people that don't do it at all. So let's talk about it because I think it's a great um, let's start with the version that you were talking about because mm -hmm. I think there's a f couple of areas where it works really well for people but why don't we start with the person who is wanting to drop hours uh, or supplement their income at, at age 60 how would it help them sure so if you are uh, 
deciding that uh, you want to drop down to three days work, but you've still got your mortgage repayments and you've still got other cash flow needs that you need to meet. What we would do as a strategy is send a portion of your accumulation phase over into pension phase. And then when that money gets into pension phase, we can select to take 4% income as a minimum from pension or a maximum of 10%. So depending on what your needs are, you can select if we needed to supplement you fortnightly a certain amount, as long as it's between that 4% and 10%, that that strategy would work for you. Yeah. Um, 10% you of your balance, yeah? The balance you transfer to pension yeah. phase. So if yeah. we've got 300,000 in super and we transfer 200,000 of it, the maximum you can take is 10% in that year. So yeah. $20,000. Um, I like to use even numbers at this time of the yeah. morning, Tim. So um, <laughs> and even even I'll I'll gonna probably be a bit painful here because I just want to explain it slowly to mm-hmm. to the listeners. So yeah, Sash, just to go the long way about this, uh, talk through the tax um, payable or not payable on any drawdowns out of that pension phase. Sure. So when you go into pension phase, uh, the income, whether it be 4% or 10% of the balance that you're pulling out of that pension phase is tax-free because you've met a condition of release. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Um, So that's great for someone that's topping up their income because, you know, they're getting that tax-free pot of money. Obviously, they're drawing down on their their pension or their super. So the balance might be either declining or plateauing, I guess, depending on how much they've got in there. Um, What about someone who we do use it a lot, and this is where I really love using it, is to help grow the super. Um, Really good where people aren't um, maximising their contributions. Talk us through that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is the the forgotten part of... um, you know, as we get older, we want to put as much money into that superannuation area as possible because it's a really great um, uh, tax-effective strategy um, for our retirement. So what we like to do uh, is get our clients to salary sacrifice up to the maximum cap, yeah. which is $27,500 a year. Or if they don't want to take it out of their salary sacrifice, they can use what's called a personal concessional contribution, which is a PCC, if we want to use the acronym. Um, And this way we can get a tax deduction from our income when it goes into into super. However, we can draw down from the pension phase tax-free income. So to be clear, the money that you're putting into super while you're in that transitional phase will jump into your accumulation account and it'll be taxed at 15% in that accumulation account, but you will be drawing the income out of your pension account where that's tax-free. Yeah, cool. That's that's great. Um, yeah, I think it works really well where you know, I think most people understand salary sacrifice, don't they? And they understand that they've got that opportunity. But when you sort of speak 
to most clients who haven't been maximizing their contributions they might say look i just yeah can't afford to um do that because it, mm-hmm. it'll take away too much of my income so the beauty of this is as you're saying you get that top up of your income through um the pension absolutely and you know the thing I say to my clients, if, if they can't do it every month and don't want to do it, we generally have a tax strategy or planning meeting in March, April, May, prior to the end of the financial year to see what their surplus cash position looks like. And if they've been doing everything right and we're, they're looking like they've got um, a tax problem or they're going to pay some tax, we can make a decision then to say, well, would you like to make a tax effective contribution into super to boost it up? So they don't have to decide it at the beginning of the year. They can see how their savings plans, things change. They may not have gone on that holiday or they may have come into some money from elsewhere. So it's not too late to do the salary sacrifice in a different way as a personal contribution and it's taxed the same. Yeah, great. And I think um, the other thing I was going to just add to that was when you, uh, one of the questions we do get asked when we help set up the these transition to retirement pensions is uh, people say, well, how, how does that, how do I get that money? And the super funds um, allow you to draw down on that really in the frequency that you want. You can either draw it in one lump sum annually you can draw it quarterly monthly fortnightly lots of different and we had a client who needed um it to in uh, put money back into her business to keep it running for the next few years so we had a strategy where we took a lump sum in the june month and then we took a lump sum for the next financial year in the july month so she was able to take in the one calendar year two lots of contributions um, for her maximum cap. She was able to put that back into the business to grow and then she was absolutely allowed to contribute the maximum amount into super that year to get the tax deduction. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Well, I think that is, you know, those strategies I think are, well, the two categories I would say is people that are wanting to supplement their income and drop hours or people that are continuing to work uh, as they always have and are wanting to really is a tax saving that is then captured in your super and, and helps to grow your super. Um, now, last week, Sash, we did discuss contributions. Um, mm-hmm. Let's chat about a couple of good strategies with regard to contributions. Um, would you like to start with concessional contributions? You mentioned the five-year carry forward strategy last week mm-hmm. too. Why don't we go sure. into that in a bit more detail? Because that, I think we get excited about that one, don't we? Because uh, it's we do. pretty new and just the last few years. It is pretty new. And I think when it came out, everything was overshadowed with um, the beginning of COVID. So yeah. not many people were thinking about this strategy in 2020 when yeah. it came out because we were all panicking about, oh, well, we don't know what our cash flow is going to look like. But fast forward to 2021 when a lot of us had more savings in our bank accounts because um, we were in lockdown, we didn't spend as much, we were able to save more, we had more time to think about our personal life admin, I like to call it. Yeah. Um, 
these are these are the times when I believe as a business um, those those um, carry forward contributions really came into vogue. Um, so basically, um, the, the easiest way we're allowed to put 27,500 in concessional contributions each year. That can be made up um, from the mandated super that your employer pays you, which is now 11% this year, and then whatever salary sacrifice or personal contributions you make. Um, then, in the event that you have some more savings and you haven't maximised the previous year's contributions, so yep. just say you've been on maternity leave or you had a lower paying job and you didn't have the, the funds to go into that contribution, yeah. what we say is that um, you can contribute and look back all the way to the 2018-19 financial year. Well, five so, years, basically. Yeah, for five years. Um, however, you can't go back further than the 18-19 year. Yeah. So I guess what's really key in this conversation, if you wanted to maximise what you didn't put in in the 2018-19 year, this is probably the last year you can maximise that year because you can only ever look back five years. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the way it used to be uh, was that, you know, if you didn't uh, use the cap that you had in any financial year, well, when you move to the next financial year, you just lost that. Uh, whereas yeah. now we're able to look back five years and say all those times that you didn't maximise it, you could now go and mm -hmm. catch up on those if you want. That's right. And if it makes sense, sometimes. If it makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to do it in one year. For some people it does. <laughs> For some people they might spread that over a few years. And I guess the key r rule to know is you've got to meet the current year cap to look back. So if you wanted to utilise the 2019, just say you had, at back then the cap was $25,000 and yeah. you would only put 20 in, you would have 5,000 that you could put in from that additionally year. from that year. But to do that, you need to meet this year's cap of 27 and a half to look back on that five and add that. On top, yep. On top. Now those... Um, that what you look back, you get a tax deduction. So some clients, when you add up all the bits and pieces that they may have missed over the years, it can be a sizable chunk. Oh, it is. Like we've got clients who have put $97,000 in super in one lump sum and have yeah. reduced their taxable income that year to a very low tax rate. So they're getting back a personal boost of tax just so everyone's aware that money will get taxed at 15% in the superannuation environment. So there's a net tax effect, but our strategy is, well, why don't we use that personal tax refund that you may yeah. get from your tax to pay off your home mortgage or a portion of your home mortgage or to do some other um, wealth creation strategies? Yeah, I think... Um... Where we've seen that work well is it might just be that, yeah, like cash flow has dictated that uh, someone couldn't meet the caps each year, each and every year. And then maybe they either get an inheritance or come into a lump sum of money. Um, and, or we've seen it work really well with uh, if 
an investment property or some capital gain. So mm. people are getting an influx of money because they've had a capital gain on, on some sort of sale of an investment and they're going to have a high tax uh, capital gain to pay. So in this way, it's like where well, you could actually put some of that money you've now got into your super claim a tax deduction and that will lower that um, capital gain. That's been a great one, hasn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, everyone says, oh, but the money's locked in super. Okay, well, my response would be, well, you can pay the tax office that money or you can live off that money tax-free in your retirement. Yeah. So it is a no-brainer <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> and if it is locked in super, but if, if you have to pay it in tax, it ain't coming back. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. They're not going to come back and say on those years, oh, sorry, you paid too much. That's right. Um, so it is a really good strategy to um, to make up for the years that you may not have worked full time. Mm. It's great for women who have been out of the workforce because they've been raising babies um, or they've just gone back to work part time. Um, so a brilliant strategy to yeah. boost. And what I've really noticed is that a lot of millennials are using these strategies because they, 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 they don't even have kids yet, but they know that they want to keep up their super contributions whilst they don't have all those high lifestyle expenses and obligations. Yeah. So they want to do it while they're young. So I think that the tables are turning a little bit as well with um, the, the younger generation wanting to put more money yeah. into super. Um, yeah, good, great points there. And oh, look, I, I, I think it always is for me a consideration the further someone is away from um, accessing the money. Obviously, yeah, I agree. You know, you might have other things that you want to put that money to, but if you're getting close to that 60 where you talked about starting to get some access to your super, really is a no brainer because you can. You save the tax, you're not far off accessing it, and uh, it's, it's a really good strategy. Um, anything else on that one, or maybe we move? Uh, yeah, let's move to the maybe the non-concessional ones. Yeah, and I think on that one, well, let's talk about non-concessional, but also that bring forward strategy. That one, just to confuse everyone, yeah. is a three-year yeah, the carry forward and the bring forward. You know, we needed to be a little bit more creative with the <laughs> that's right <laughs> with the terminology. So, well, oh, but one thing I would say is the five year one that we've just been talking about is looking back. Yes, and the three year one we're about to talk about for non concessional is looking forward. Looking forward. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this one, you've got to be you've. It's really. I believe you need some to seek some financial advice because if you breach the caps, they can have monumental effects with yeah. getting, you know, um, surcharges and a whole bunch of mm. other stuff. But non-concessional means, um, or an NCC means a non-concessional contribution. Yep. So what that means is you've already paid tax on this money outside of super. So if you put the money inside of super, it's not going to be taxed at 15%. And we're not even trying to claim a tax deduction on this or anything. We're really no. just moving it from a non-super asset into environment becoming a super to asset. To a super environment. Yep. Absolutely. And it, it's really important because if you're trying to get more money into that tax-free retirement living space, 
um, this is a great way to do it. And um, once again, if you come into inheritance and you've got a lump sum of cash that you want to put in, uh, you can put in 110,000 each year. Every year you can do that. So if it's a couple, you could put 220 in. But where the bring forward comes in is you can trigger it by putting in 330 in one year as opposed to the 110. And that's effectively saying you can bring three years of this mm-hmm. 110. You can say, oh, I want to bring three years forward, do it now. And effectively, that means you can't put any in for that's three right. years. Yeah. And this is when timing, once again, Tim, comes really becomes really important. End of financial year. So you could you could pay 110000 in June. Yeah. And then you could bring forward 330000 in July. Yeah, in the new financial year. In the new financial year. But if you did it all in July, you would breach. So it's it's all about timing and making sure you understand when to put these monies into super. Well, I'll put you on the spot and say why would someone, if they've got that amount of money, which can happen from mm-hmm. either, as we talked about, the sale of some sort of asset or an inheritance or something. What's the advantage for someone to bring use that rule and get the three thirty in rather than trickle it in each year at one hundred and ten? So, in if you were to um, bring forward that amount and put it into super, there's multiple different investment strategies in super that you can invest in, yep. and it's taxed at the super rate. Any investment earnings are taxed at the super rate of fifteen percent. So if you're investing those monies in your personal name, those investment earnings are taxed at your marginal tax rate. Yeah. That's one of the strategies. And if you're in that pension phase. They're tax free. Yeah, that's right. If you're over 65. And that's where it does work really well, isn't it? That's right. So um, myths, another myth I I guess we can bust is, you know, I, I'm never going to have access to this money. You know, they, the government will change their rules and yes. da, 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 da. I, I don't know if you hear that all the time. A little bit. <laughs> but I, I hear that from clients. No, I don't believe in super. They're going to change the rules. Um, if, if anyone gave you the option to pay 15% tax rather than 32%, 42% or 47%, mm. I would definitely go the 15%. But then if someone said by the time I turn 60 or 65, then it's going to be tax-free no matter what you draw. If you're drawing 100,000 income tax-free versus 100,000 income in a, in a personal environment, yeah. it's a very different outcome on your living expenses. Very different. And and we uh, quite often, and I'm, I know Sasha would do the same, uh, do projections to show if you did it this way, here's the amount of tax you pay. If you do it this way, here's the amount of tax you pay. I think as well that in that super environment, it's a very structured investment um, uh, strategy that happens. And, and quite often when people are investing with their own personal money, it might not be so robust, their investment strategy. That's right. And I guess, you know, when we look at super, we look at time in market or when we look at investments, any investments we look at, Tim, we should look at um, how long is the money going to be invested for? What is the purpose? 
of the money? Is it to draw income or is it to have capital growth? Yeah. Now, I get asked the question a lot and I'm sure it's probably one of the main questions we as financial planners get asked, how much money do I need in my super fund to retire? And that's really, um, really a moot point because it's, well, what money do you want to live on in super? Because having a million dollars invested in cash when the cash rate was 0.1, you know, is going to yeah. be a very different outcome to having a million dollars invested in a diversified portfolio pulling 4.5% income and 4.5% growth. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter about the amount. I mean, the amount helps, but it's all about the strategy and what you're doing Drawing with that down. amount. That's right. Where it's invested is key because if it's you, you need to have a strategy that's growing in wealth, but also being able to provide you income so you're not depleting your capital too fast over time. Yeah, and it's okay for the, the capital to deplete, at, mm -hmm. but obviously the the slower rate that that yes. happens, the better. Um, well, that's great on the bring forward strategy. Uh, I might just, well, we might go to the downsizer contribution um, mm. and then we might loop back to talk about the technical <laughs> recontribution strategy. But uh, let's start with the downsizer because that is, uh, that's a, a great one that's only been around a few years as well. That's right. So um, a lot of um, uh, uh, couples or single people pre-retirement, they like their their kids have left home, they've got these big three, four bedroom homes and they're like, we want to sell this home and downsize to something smaller yep. so we don't have to upkeep this. Um, I don't know about you, Tim, but some of my clients who downsize, they downsize the size of their house, but they upsize in, in terms of location where they buy, yeah. um, which is which is really interesting. And you are based in Sydney, Sash. So and I am based in Sydney. And in a nice part of Sydney. So I'm sure there's big numbers involved in the There absolutely part. is. But you know, if you sell a property, even if you upsize in the price and you've got the money to put into super, you can still contribute the downsizer within 90 days. So the downsizer contribution means you can put an extra $300,000 into your super um, tax-free. So they're not going to take tax on that 300,000 you put in. And if you're a couple, that's 600,000, an additional 600,000 yeah. you can get in. The, the key rule here is it's got to go in 90 days post settlement. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's not counted as a down. So I think what you, you, you were going to probably touch on was the downsizer contribution is doesn't go against any of those other uh, caps that Sasha was talking about before. It's a one-off thing that you can do. But if you did do it outside that 90 days, I think it got, it becomes one of the other contributions and not a downsizer. Is That's that right. right. Mm. And if you're working with a financial planner and they've got you utilising those bring forwards and carry forwards and, um, you know, we've bring forward three years and then automatically you miss the 90 days and put another 300 in, obviously there's going to be a, a, a breach of yeah. cap. So timing is super important um, with any of these strategies. And account balances is really important as well, you know, because there's certain rules that you need to be around um, and to, I know, to ensure. I know, Sash, uh, I think you might have sat in on the same session last, well, maybe it was earlier this year. We heard from 
one of the super funds who talked through the downsizer contribution to the advisors. Mm-hmm. And they were explaining the heat that they, well, the compliance that they have to meet to the ATO, uh, the tax office. And so they are really strict on that 90 days. They will, there is no room to move for the super fund. Um, so if if the client or the customer doesn't meet that 90 days and they think that they can uh, sort of say to the super fund, you know, like, just be good guys and let me off. They do not have that option. No. The ATO is very strict on that 90-day rule. Yeah. So, um, And they're very strict on any of the rules. If you breach a cap, you will get a letter saying you're over and this is the, these are the next steps. Yeah. So um, very important that um, before you go into any of these strategies, you understand the date, the timing, and the reason why, I guess. Um, and obviously seek advice on your situation to make sure it's suitable for you. Oh, geez, so she's been hanging around with the compliance people too much. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, that, great disclaimer there. I know, right? Yeah. But, well, let's have a crack at the re-contribution strategy. We, let, we won't do it too, in too much detail because it is yeah. fairly involved. That's right. But uh, I think it's important for people to know uh, that – it's available. Uh, so I, I might just start by um, introducing one element of it to you, Sash, is, sure. uh, for you, is when uh, you're, so let's just say you're a couple and mm-hmm. you've you've got, um, you leave the, in your beneficiary nominations with super, you're going to leave the money to each other. You are not... Are we your, your, your tax dependents of each other if you're a couple? Um, so there's no tax payable. But then when the final, uh, the surviving spouse passes, that may then pass to the kids, they are not tax dependents if they're over 18 and there is tax payable on a portion of the money. Sometimes that tax is quite considerable. It could be like 30, yeah. 32% of that balance you know, and that should be yeah. thought about in terms of your whole financial plan of how to move that money from that taxable status to a non-taxable yeah. status. And so that's the strategy Sasha is going to talk about is how you can lower that portion uh, that is taxable later on for your kids or your other beneficiaries so that when you pass away, it passes to them in a tax-free way. So far away. Cool. So I guess um, the main um, thing to know, you have to be a certain age to be able to do a recontribution strategy. You need yep. to be able to take money out of super and then to recontribute it. So we've talked about putting superannuation guarantee or personal contributions in. We want to now put in non-concessional because the money that we put in non-concessional means no taxes. You've already paid tax mm. outside, so no tax is paid inside. So we... I'll, I'll just to interrupt there, Sash. I think you'd have to say that to do this properly, you would have to have full access to your super, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not just that 10% that we talked yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to utilize the non-concessional limits when we have access to our super. That's probably the best way to put it. So once yeah. we um, decide to fully retire, 
we want to take out a lump sum of super and we want to put it straight back in. So we would take out, if we were going to use the, um, the bring forward rule, we could take out 330,000 in one lump sum and then we can put it straight back in the next day as a non-concessional. Yep. And that's basically and taking out money that is in that taxable status and re-putting it back in, in a non-tax-free Yeah, and, and a lot of people probably wouldn't have, uh, they probably would have seen it on their statement possibly, mm. that those two components, the taxable component and the non-taxable, everyone's got a different version of that, but you can see on your statement, uh, let's just say your total balance is 100,000, that 100,000 then is made up of two subcategories being taxable and non-taxable. So you can always see uh, what's in your taxable pot. So uh, what Sasha's talking about there is pulling it out of that and recontributing it into the tax repot. Yeah. And that is a huge benefit to not you, but to your legacy that you're leaving your children, you know? Yeah. So it really does. Oh, for sure. And the good news is that we can do this up to a certain age now, which has been extended. Yeah. So we um, include this into all of our strategies once our clients meet that um, ability to claim their super. Um, and then we are allowed to do this all the way up until age 74 or before their 75th birthday. So depending on how much money, they might do 110 a year, they might do the 330. And then as soon as we've done that um, bring forward, we know the next date that we can either bring forward again or do a 110 top up. So it really just depends on timing. We don't know when we need to do the contribution strategy if we all had a crystal ball on when our last day was. <laughs> yeah. um, but this can have a significant effect on tax outcomes in your estate. Yeah. Interestingly, I have, I've had interesting reactions to this over the years. You know, when we sit with clients for the first time and say, okay, this is your position and this is the strategy. I've actually had quite a few p people that have said, not my problem, I'll be dead. <laughs> and the kids are getting a lot of money if they pay a bit of tax, don't, don't care. Uh, but I'd say the majority of people would say, yeah, look, I'd rather my kids get that money than it go to the government. So let's do that paperwork to, to do this cycling strategy. Or I've got a lot of clients that are shocked that their money in super is going to be taxed for their kids. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I guess the thing to say is if you do have um, – uh, you know, some unfortunate people do pass away whilst their kids are still young, then that money is still in that tax-free state. Yeah. So um, if we... Taxable. Yeah, the taxable state, but we, yeah. it would go to their beneficiaries in a tax-free manner. Um, but it, they, that once they turn 18 and there's, there's no dependency, um, yeah. you, you really need to start thinking about these strategies. Um, so especially if you want um, your money... Um, to have the, the greater effect on your children's lifestyle as possible. Yeah, great. Well, you've, that's uh, four or five fantastic strategies there. Look, we've explained them as, as succinctly as we can. There's, with each of them, 
I think you'd agree, Sash, there's there's nuances in there and, and various things that differ depending on the client and their situation. That's right. But um, just to get a broad understanding, that's that's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, super is that, you know, thing that ticks along in the back for most people and um, if you bring it into the forefront, it can have a monumental effect on your future. And I guess that's the, you don't have to do every single strategy now. If you're saving for your first home or investment property, you don't have to do these strategies, but a little bit here and there will have a monumental effect the earlier you start. Yeah. And I think as well, um, given that we, you know, the the series we're doing is primarily around planning for your Mm -hmm. retirement. I, I was, I sort of think, it's to help people understand how this all opens up at age 60 and 65 to be, you know, all the powerful strategies that you can use are really on show in the, in that age bracket, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, there are some very um, cool things that um, our pre-retirees, retirees can um, set themselves up for um, and especially uh, transferring some of their wealth into that tax-free, that just might mean for them in their retirement an extra holiday a year or, you know, having extra yeah. money to spend um, where they might not need to draw down. Um, that has been an awesome two sessions with you, Sasha. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing all your knowledge. Um, I'm sure it's been of great value to everyone. No problems, any time. I'm sure it won't be the last time we have you on on the show. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. I look forward to it. See ya. Bye. Join us on the Grass is Greener Facebook group where we can connect, share and keep you up to speed with our latest episodes. Well, what a great couple of episodes we had with Sasha. Very lucky to have financial advisor of her caliber on the show talking to us about these topics we're going to continue on with our series and we've got some great episodes in store looking at various aspects uh, that you need to consider when you're coming into this phase of your life if you have a topic or question that you'd like us to discuss on an upcoming podcast head on over to our website, tgigpodcast.com.au and leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.